Hey guys. <laughs> so, to be fully, um, what's the word? Transparent with yeah. you guys. We are recording two in a row. As you know, from last week's, we were talking about some um, audio equipment issues. Yeah. We got it sorted out for that one. And now we took a little lunch break and we're recording this one. So, um, this is our past selves speaking and we don't really have yeah. any updates for what next week will bring no except what could you think will will happen next week <laughs> i don't know every day We're i'm have surprised a sleepover at my house <laughs> every day is a new horror for me <laughs> have you seen that meme with the gregor and it's like every yes. day i i bought lily a tote bag with that on it for her birthday every day is a new no horror. we okay what you neglected to ad was that. oh my god well like, it was a fucking it's a fucking mess guys so the universe is fucking with us today like, like they the don't want us to record is, really does not want us to record and we're flipping and flipping we're saying the bird fuck you, yeah dude, because yeah. we're recording we're fucking doing we figured it thing. out but we came back here after our little lunch break because we had left the mics <laughs> in this room and they were gone we were and we immediately were like Freaked. fuck because this is the school's equipment <laughs> i literally looked at julie we were running around the school and we, i looked at julie and i was like what do we do? Like, what do we fucking do? Yes. I think they heard that. Because then the people who do the equipment where we record were like, oh, we grabbed them. Yes. And, like, explained to us. But they were, like, in the room next door. So I think they heard us freaking Probably. out. Probably. And they're like, those fucking bitches. We're still doing it. Against all odds, guys. Against all we, are odds, here. we are here. We're recording this for the second time. Yeah, this one specifically. So this we're one, happy. Yeah. That it's you're here with day. us, and we appreciate your love and support. Yes, and your Guys, patience. We're, we care about this so much. I'm going to get heartfelt. <laughs> we care about this so much, and we want this podcast to do well. So yeah. hopefully we can make this be our whole life, and we don't have to yes. do stupid shit outside of this. Yes. So if you like the podcast, rate us on Spotify and Apple, and also share with your friends. Please. And follow us on Instagram at popculturevulturespod. Indeed. Also, I'm going to have a website up and running soon, a TikTok, and a Patreon. So, uh, good uh, stuff to come. Guys, we're expanding. We're expanding. So, uh, despite our um, troubling issue. issues with But you know equipment. what it is? Trust the process. Dude, you're so right. You never get good until... I'm trying to think of a, a phrase that um, works here. Um, like, you know... Overcome you adversity. F- you got to fight for your, for your right, right to, to party. party. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Just as the BC boys put it. Um, yeah. Oh my god, guys, who's excited for Halloween? I mean, when this is out, it'll be Halloween weekend. I hope ah. you guys are all staying safe and. Yes, stay safe. Be and have a wonderful time this yeah. Halloween. Okay. Yeah. We get Don't eat the candy. Oh, oh. With your <laughs> razor blades. Yo, what's up with that? Did you have to search? My parents were like, search through my candy. No, my parents didn't give a fuck, but I do remember that warning. I remember that. Are we ready? Yes, we can. What are we talking about today, Julia? Cursed bands slash. artists? A- yeah, a cult, a culty artist, musicians, weird stuff and music. Like, <laughs> yeah, weird music I, stuff. I like how we had like we've had three weeks to like figure this out. What we're gonna call it. We still don't fucking know. Like we've had a long time. It's to just sit that on like this. ours, mine is different than yours. Yeah, and so, so like, it's hard to group the, them. The general vibe that I was going for with this idea was like bands or artists that are like connected to the occult in some way. Yes. Some, I'm, like, weird stuff within music. Yeah. Okay, so my tale <laughs> is about Robert Johnson and his deal with the devil. Woo! Okay, the basic gist of the story. Oh, she got shivers down her spine. I got, got the whole body shivers, girl. <laughs> basic gist of the story is that, as legend has it, Robert Johnson, the famous Mississippi blues, Delta blues guitarist, went to the crossroads one night where he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for musical virtuosity. Wowie. Pure wowie zowie. <laughs> 
pavement. All right, some background info on our lad. He was born May 8, 1911 in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, to his mother, Julia Major Dodds and Noah Johnson. His mother was never married to this, his father, um, and relatively little is known about him. But for a while, Robert and his mother lived with her first husband, Charles Spencer, in the Mississippi Delta region, um, and also in Memphis for a short period of time, just, like, bouncing around a lot. Most of his youth, um, he didn't really have, like, a specific place or, like, a of security like a stable home environment he didn't really have like any father figure his only like father (laughs) figure that he had was his mom's second husband dusty willis and dusty Dusty (laughs) willis and he is like was allegedly like physically abusive to him and his mother so just like horrible shit just right from the jump dusty willie is uh, he was he came in strong with a name like dusty willie his name is Dustin. Du- <laughs> Dusty Willis. His name is Dustin. <laughs> Anyways, um, as a kid, Johnson picked up the harp and the harmonica before learning guitar. Mm-hmm. He loved playing music, which inspired him to make a living off of playing the blues. Word. As he gets older, um, he starts like playing in these small, mostly black clubs um, where blues musicians would come to play because blues music like started in the cotton fields with people just singing and playing guitar and like for entertainment Mm -hmm. and then they kind of expanded that want to make money off of it so they started these things called juke joints yeah um and from these juke joints oh my god what happened my whole thing just refreshed whoa what if like someone else entered the google doc oh my god horror movie horror movie idea (laughs) the google doc someone's like someone enters your google Google doc Doc. (laughs) Well, you didn't, give, movie. you didn't give them Someone access. And they start, like, writing some shit about you. Like, you don't know who it is. Like, it's like an anonymous user on your Google Doc, and they start writing. This like, just sounds like Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> it's A. It's A. Oh, my God. Okay. So these juke joints, they were, like, pretty popular amongst especially, like, the black community. And the preachers in the Mississippi Delta region at the time labeled this blues music as devil's music, partly Mm -hmm. because the musicians who would play in the juke joints, they would get paid a lot by the people that were coming in and dancing and stuff, um, while the reverends who would preach every Sunday didn't earn any money. Mm -hmm. So they were, like, kind Mm -hmm. of pissed about that. So they were like, don't go down there and supporting this devil's music. So it was just kind of like that, like, really got – I mean, it's like – deep in the south like super christian so people like that just got into their brains and they just thought blues music the devil they were like the the lord has spoken and he has said (laughs) that the blues music is the devil's music that's exactly what that's exactly what they said yeah oh my god okay so at the age of 18 in 1929 uh johnson married 16 year old virginia travis he promised her that he would like give up music and become a farmhand and a father and like live the domestic life yeah because he loved music but i think like deep down especially this time like he wanted to be like a father and have a family and like that traditional lifestyle yeah um but virginia becomes pregnant and she goes to like live with her family to like have like a home childbirth, which she like lives some I don't know. Imagine like, town giving over. birth in your home. I know Just a lot a of people that like nowadays have people done that. that like that, or people who are like, let me do a water bath. Like I'm gonna give oh, birth I know in my so, bath. I know so many people have done that. Like re- like nowadays. <sighs> That's weird. I understand yeah. like wanting the comfort of your home. But I'm sorry. I'd be worried. I would be going to a hospital. Yeah, I'd be worried. I just want to, like, I want to be around people who would know what the fuck they're because doing. Because we'll listen to this. So Virginia mm-hmm. goes off to the next, like, where her family lives in, like, the next town or whatever. 
And Johnson's, like, going to meet her there. Um, Johnson, I feel like I should call him Robert. Robbie. <laughs> My boy, Robbie Johnson. Um, Robert Johnson's, like, going to meet her there uh, after the child, like, born. Like, I guess it wasn't a thing for, like, the father to be there. Like, the family should be there. The mother and stuff should be with her. Definitely. Um, so he's like, okay, like, I'm going to stay. Like, I have some time to, like, play guitar, like, spend myself. He's like, I'm going to have a little time. And then I'll meet yeah. my wife. And, like, I'll, this will be my last, like, run with the blues music. And then I'll be a father. Yes. So he does that. Goes off. And then when he gets to the house, he finds out that his wife and the kid both died in ch- during childbirth. And this was, like, I mean, obviously devastating for him. And it basically inspired a bunch of, like, songs for him and stuff. But after that point, he had, like, nothing left to lose. So he just, like, dedicated his whole life to his music. Because, like, then he was like, well, now I, like, don't have the chance to have a family. So I just want to be a huge star. Like, I want to I wanna blow up and act like I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. I want to, <laughs> you were, like, getting, like, so serious, and, like, 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 you know, I, like, I lost my wife and my, and my child, like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I have to blow up and I have, like, I'm so funny. I just couldn't not, I can't be too serious for too long. So, anyways, he goes back, um, and he basically turns to, like, a bunch of famous Delta Blues musicians, Willie Brown, Charlie Patton, Sun House, the king he was like the top of the top of blues musicians at that time in that mm-hmm. area um and they because they were all in robinsonville at the time mm-hmm. and he like looked up to them and he would go and like play with them and ask for them for advice um but he was like a really a novice player at the time and they just like didn't really look at him as like anything special or like out of the ordinary because he was also like what 20 he was like <laughs> super young right yeah he was like 19 at this time so he uh, yeah. yeah he wasn't like all that great and like they he, were like kid you're just a kid. You're just a fucking you don't kid. You know anything about blues. <laughs> you don't know anything about the devil's music, boy. <laughs> you lost it. So anyways, out of spite yeah. and just dedication to his music, he disappears for a year. And when he comes back to town, he is, like, an amazing player. Like, Yeah, he slays. I watched this documentary, and there was, like, people who talked about it. Like, he comes into the, the juke joint, whatever club he's playing at, and just, like, shreds on the guitar like playing yeah. shit that sounds like just like insane skill where they were like yeah he's playing on this like seven string guitar where it sounds like you're listening to it and it almost sounds like two guitars are being played at once because he was just like he had really Ripping. long fingers so he was just oh well that's the answer all. well i mean there's more when to, you got to that. long fingies but here's where the legend comes in oh yes um everyone's like how the fuck did this guy he disappears for like a year this 20 something dude yeah and then he comes back like he leaves his like fine guitar player and it comes back like better than any other musician better like, than in like sunhouse like the top dogs yeah like the top they were even blown away by him that's that's how you mm-hmm. know i'm saying so the myth is that during this period johnson went down to the crossroads sold his soul to the devil to acquire such skills and the caveat being that he would only have eight years left to live because you gotta pay the price with the devil you know as we know if we've read the picture of dorian, dorian gray, gray. <laughs> We know the price to pay to the, <laughs> the devil. The price to pay when you're so yourself for beauty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I talked about that with, like, a lot of people thought this because, one, he's playing blues music, so that is tied to, the you know, what the preachers are saying about the devil's music and all that stuff. Right. But his lyrics definitely did, like, fuel that fire, too. Like, once he was performing these songs, a lot of... His original songs were talking about going down the crossroads, selling the soul of the devil. So he was like, he was like, oh, this is the picture you have of me, of, like, this, you know, devilish blues musician. I'm gonna, yeah. like, I'm gonna... I'm gonna so, I'm gonna get into it. Yeah, he's gonna get into it. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of the word for he, that. Uh, yeah, he, like, he's uh, gonna he, t- he, uh, lean into that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. so he's leaning into that. So some scholars also think that this myth is a reflection of the traditional African-American folklore called hoodoo. Hoodoo? You do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> 
which is an African-American style of magic. So there's a lot of stories about hoodoo tradition. Like, they have lots of different, like, folk tales and, like, urban legends within the tradition. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of, like, I mean, it's the same as religion. It's a lot of, like, a way of, like, seeking control in a world filled with, like, violence and prejudice and, you know, like, any kind of mythology, religion, anything like that. Yeah. Um, and Johnson actually refers to various elements of hoodoo tradition in his lyrics. So it could also be, mm. be a tie to that because there is a story in um, the hoodoo lore about pe- a lot of times, like, people going down to crossroads and, like, not always, like, the devil, but just different, like, spiritual figures appearing there and giving them, like, money or riches, like, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so that is kind of tied to that as well. Yeah. And uh, some people, like, later down the line, too, like, saw it as a metaphor for, like, Robert Johnson putting his life on the line for his music. He has nothing left. People kind yeah. of, like, um, what's the word? They kind of have this, like, made-up, like, ideology and mythology like, about him. Yeah. Like, after the fact, you know? So it's, like, years and years mm. and years have gone by, like, decades since this, so people have kind of, like, put more mythology on it even as time has gone, gone on. Yeah. So, like, now they're, like... In retrospect, look at it as kind of like a metaphor for like his dedication to like the music so and stuff. So true. Um, but another element of the story, so sorry to break it to you guys. I don't think he really sold his soul to the devil. A lot of this is just um, skepticism Conjecture. about someone's efforts and like abilities. Yeah. <clears throat> like overlooking that. Yeah. So another element of the story is that he actually studied with the guitarist Ike Zimmerman and they would go to the cemetery and practice like every day for this whole year that he's gone. He would work with Ike. And they'd go to the cemetery and play through songs from, like, morning to night. And another cool note is that I always said that if you sit on the gravestones and play, that's why they went to the cemetery, is that the ghosts would come out and teach you how to play the blues. Aww. So, like, even if the story of him selling a soul to the devil isn't true, it's still, like, he got, like, there is still, like, a spiritual force, like, some kind of supernatural force behind it. Yeah, I there's a believe. spooky element. Yeah, it's like the, the blues musicians of the past, like, came together to, like, assist him because he put his life... On the line. He had a very short recording career, only 29 compositions available to us. And during his short life of 27 years, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that, he was respected but definitely not held. Like, it was really just only in that Delta Blues region. He didn't, because he died so young, it didn't extend very far. So he didn't get, like, a lot of credit while he was alive. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did come to, like, inspire countless musicians after that. Um, I mean, he's credited, like... Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, basically all of Led Zeppelin, like, credit him as an inspiration for their music. So mm-hmm. he really ra- laid the groundwork for modern blues music and just modern rock music. Slay for him. Yeah, I know. Um, but getting in, I guess, more to the end of his life, he faces more tragedy when he falls in love with another woman, and it's, like, finally his time. I think he was maybe 25 or 26 when this happened, so close to his death. Mm. He finally thinks this is time to, like, have a family, and he's like, well, he's a skilled musician, but he's like, maybe I'll, like, finally settle down and have, like, what I actually want. Mm -hmm. But his, because of the blues music that he's playing, and he's known for that now in this town, the family of this girl, I think her name was Virgie, Virgie? Virginia? I don't know. I know, but they... Virgie. Virgie. I don't know. (laughs) I think that was her name. I can't remember. But they... The family basically, like, shuns him from, like, being with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she had a kid, one of his kids, too, because he has two, maybe two kids, actually, with her. Because they were in this documentary that I watched. Ooh, like, his, his great-grandsons were in the documentary. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, like, shunned him from being with her, though, because he was, like, a blues musician, and they didn't want that, like... They didn't want the, the devil. devil. They didn't want the devil around them. So, <laughs> yeah. They didn't um, want the devil playing blues in their house. 
No, no, no. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, oh, my God. Okay, so basically, he has constant tragedies in his life. Yeah. All he's got left in his life is his music and, like, drinking. Like, he goes to the juke joints, he plays uh, the music, and he drinks every night, drinks his life away. The night that he dies, he goes to a juke joint, he's playing. This is 1938. He's 27 years old. He's offered a bottle of whiskey, like, he orders a bottle of whiskey, but the seal is broken on it. Hmm. And, like, guy next to him at the bar is like, you shouldn't drink that, like, the seal's broken, like, what's up? And he's like, oh, I can take it, it's fine, like, blah, 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 blah. He drinks it, it's been poisoned, and he dies. Like, the people are, like, trying to get him on stage to, like, keep playing and stuff, and he, like, physically cannot... So he, like, goes home and then, like, basically gets home and falls asleep, dies from the poisoning. Who poisoned it? I don't know. Someone broke the seal and either did it to, like, get someone else, like, poison someone else, or to poison him for, like, some unknown weird fucking reason. And because, like, little is, like, known about his life. Like, these historians have just been putting it together from word-of-mouth stories and, like, Mm -hmm. just, like, different documents that they can find because it was, like, a long time ago. Yeah. You know, late 30s. So it's a lot of just, like, trying to piece it together, which also makes, like, the lore and, like, there's more mystery surrounding it, you know? And Very more room, mysterious. Yeah, more room for people to kind of, like, make stuff it's up. It's like, what is this, a true crime historical documentary? Pretty much. When I was watching the documentary on Netflix, it was, like, very, like, yeah. I don't know. There was a lot to it. It was, it was cool. That's crazy. So six months after his death, John Hammond, was, he's, like, a famous jazz-type musician, was putting together a show to teach people where, like, jazz, blues, and swing music comes from. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Robert Johnson to come up to Carnegie Hall to play because his, like, recording or something, like, word of mouth even got around and people were like, you know, travel, more travel slow back in the day. Oh, hell. So he finally got word of, got one of this guy that's, like, slaying on the guitar in Mississippi. And he's like, I want him to come up and, like, show these people, school these fo- fucking people, you know? School these school folks. School these folks. <laughs> He wants him to school these folks. Um, but by the time that he can contact him to come up to play, he'd already passed away. He's in the grave. He is six feet under. <laughs> <laughs> but our man's Hammond slays, and he plays the recording for the whole crowd at Carnegie Hall. And they go, oh, bananas, oh, bananas, oh, bananas. Crazy. They go ape shit. They go fucking ape. Um, so then that's when kind of... It starts from there and kind of keeps moving as, like, a ripple effect. And eventually, you know, you have musicians like Muddy Waters in Chicago who's playing Mm -hmm. the blues. And, like, you know, it just kind of crops up as a more popular genre at that time Mm -hmm. because people heard what Robert Johnson was doing. And he was really the first great blues musician. And also, like, that's where the legend of, like, selling your soul to the devil starts, Yeah, because then it goes on other... That's what I was going to talk about next. You perfectly segued me. That's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) And that's... I've also heard this before. (laughs) We can cut that out. Uh, we just have great chemistry. Yes, yeah. um, other artists who have sold their souls to the devil, allegedly, Jimmy Page. Um, of course, that, I mean, Robert Johnson was a huge inspiration mm-hmm. to Jimmy Page, and that kind of got, like, passed on to him because of his, like, you know, I guess, talents with the guitar and also his, like, roots in blues music. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, even if that's not true, he's really associated with the cult because he aligns himself. Like, Jimmy Page has talked about how he believes a lot of the stuff about, like, Aleister Crowley's beliefs and stuff. And Mm. Aleister Crowley's, like, a famous occultist-type guy. Mm -hmm. And he bought... Aleister Crowley has his house in Loch Ness. What is that? Ireland? I think. Or Scotland? Scotland. 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 He has, like, this fucking crazy house in Scotland that's allegedly haunted, and some people even claim that it's a portal to hell. And Jimmy Page just, like, bought it off of him. Like, he was like, Aleister Crowley? Yeah, I'm rich. I'm gonna buy your house. Okay, some more. John Lennon. 
Uh-huh. This is like a very loose theory, but it kind of like kind of aligns with like when he died. I know that people are always like it would make more sense and more believable if there was like, oh, they sold their soul to the devil and they always get eight years because, you know, that's how it right. was for Robert Johnson was like eight years. Oh. But this one was like 20 years. I'm like, I feel like the devil would just keep it snappy with like eight years, five years. Yeah, like the they devil's would, got you on it. a short leash. Yeah. You know? So the John Lennon one is like not as good, but I feel like a lot of musicians that just like kind of believe in more like. I don't know, off the dial, like, not mainstream beliefs and stuff, you know, like, what am I trying, like, counterculture stuff, the the artists that are more counterculture, like, Robert Johnson, who was kind of more of a rebel and, like, seen as, like, an outcast where he lived, Mm -hmm. they kind of just, like, pin this on them of, like, oh, here's this, like, myth about them, they, like, mythologize them in this weird way, and I think a lot of people did that with John Lennon and the Beatles, generally, and I'm not gonna get into the nitty-gritty of the rest, but Snoop Dogg, Mick Jagger and Bob Dylan are some notable people Wow-y. who have sold their souls to the devil, apparently. Stupid Dog has a song about it, so. Wow. I don't know if that's true, or he's just in his little weed brain. <laughs> in his weed brain, yeah. <laughs> his weed brain, he's like, this would be a cool story. <laughs> um, okay, and this also ties into the 27 Club. Heard of it. If you haven't heard, have you heard of it? Heard of it, girls? Heard of a little lad named Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> if you haven't listened to our 90s People Artist episode, we discussed that shortly uh-huh. in there. Anyways, um, so the 27 Club is the running list of famous musicians, artists, actors who have died at the age of 27. So the term became widely popular in 1994 with Kurt Cobain's death. Yeah. And people kind of started connecting the age of his death to other artists like Jim Morrison, Janet Joplin, Brian Jones, and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Among others, which I will note later on. Yeah. Um... But the first person to have started, the first member, I guess you could say, of the mm-hmm. 27 Club was Robert Johnson. Ex- see? So he was a, just, he was just like an a influencer. Pioneer. Yeah, he was just like a mod, like an old-timey influencer. Into, yeah, like he just like started all these trends. <laughs> like he's so cool and fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Robert Johnson was the very first, and currently there's about 60 members, whatever you want to call it, of the 27 Club. Some other names being Amy Winehouse, mm. Dee Boone, Mia Zapata. And Kristen Pfaff. These are all people that nobody probably knows who they are except me and nope. only I care about. <laughs> except Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Dee Boone is from Minutemen. I think he's the basis of the Minutemen, which I actually didn't know that. Hmm. Mia Zapata, actually, if you guys are interested in punk music, she's from the band The Gits, who slay, but they have a crazy story. She was walking home, home alone one night after a gig or something and got almost murdered. But yeah, that story's crazy. She was 27. Mm. And then Kristen Pfaff was the drummer for Hole. And there's another conspiracy conspiracy theory with her and Kurt Cobain because they died two months apart oh yeah you told me that yeah I think I talked about that in the whole one whole episode yeah. but she they're like said to have like run off together and like whatever I don't know whole other conspiracy theory but mm, but it is kind of strange that all these weird. people die at 27 and I think a lot of it just boils down to coincidence you yeah. know what I mean like I, I believe in tons of occult shit and like mm-hmm. I like truly yeah. I like listen to our last episode about found footage yeah because girls we get into it Check and it I believe in a lot of that shit but I, with this kind of stuff it's like okay with Robert Johnson it's just like he was just he spent so much time like practicing every every day and it's like people couldn't you know, even fathom that someone would dedicate that much time to it. And they, like, didn't believe that he could get that good that fast. And he just did. They didn't believe in my man. They didn't believe in my man. They hate to see a bitch from Mississippi <laughs> winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then with the 27 Club, it's, like, there's a lot of factors of, like, young celebrities, like, living recklessly. And, right. like, the, it is kind of weird that it's always 27, but, like... I feel like it's it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I feel like their lifestyles are like kind of romanticized too, mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. fun to attach like a a common like thread through all of them. Yeah, like we're being crazy. Yeah, yeah. and so it just seems like twenty seven. Like, yeah, that's a coincidence, but it's like 
I don't know. I, it kind of makes sense. Like, there's reason yeah. in that for me. Yeah, where it's not like some stuff where I'm like, that can't be explained except anything. Like, right. what we're talking about, like, kids seeing spirits and stuff. I'm like, nothing else could really, like, there's no, nothing of, like, reality that can really ground in that. Like, this is like, okay, there's, like, a lot of, yeah, you know, reason to Yeah, it's just really it. a coincidence. Yeah. So, I don't know. The main thing that I took from this, the stories that just m- miss kind of give people the power and reasoning in situations that they can't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And people just, like... I mean, I think it's interesting to, like, go to that, but it's, for some instances, like Robert Johnson, it's like, well, maybe um, if you just think a little bit harder, yeah. like, it would make sense. But it's kind of cool how it, like, it that is tied to also his self-image, and he was kind of yeah. self-mythologizing through this of, like, oh, you're pinning me Feeding as some, like, it. you know, devil worshiper, so I'm yeah. going to sing about that in my music, and that's going to be my shtick, you know? Yeah, bitch, that's my shtick. That's, yeah, bitch, that's my shtick. <laughs> That's my shtick That's now, my bitch. Little do you know. That's my that's shtick. That's my shtick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's Robert Johnson. I thought that was cool because we don't talk about blues fucking musicians on exactly. this podcast. Exactly. And that's something also, we, never, we never would have talked about. Yeah, and otherwise. those are both just, like, interesting little, you're right, like, mythological things, things in, in, in music. music. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> mine. That was... Thank you. Can we get a round of applause? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't been doing that in a while. Ooh. Let's get the let's get the crowd to Come give on. us some applause. Come yeah. on. Give us some sugar. Uh, uh, give us some sugar. Get my I rings. am your name. Okay, so my topic is witchy women in music okay yes so i'm going to dive into multiple female musicians and artists who all sort of represent a witch in some way usually like reclaiming the term as a source of like independent feminine power rather than you know taking it from its persecuted past and changing it into something cool and powerful so let's start with the queen the queen herself Stevie Nicks. Yas. And if you've been living under a rock, Stevie Nicks is probably the most... <laughs> if you aren't a human being. Seriously. She's the most famous member of Fleetwood Mac. Um, she also had a very successful solo career, and she's still singing and touring and releasing music to this day, and she's 75. Just to start off, Nicks has never actually said that she identifies as a witch, but she's very spiritual and interested in the occult, and is definitely one of the most, like, people... She is very associated with this, like, witchy aesthetic. And I'll get into why. So, it started young, her fascination with this sort of stuff. Um, As a child, her favorite holiday was Halloween, and she once dressed up as, or she dressed up as a witch for three years in a row before her mother, who was a seamstress, gave her, made her a Martha Washington dress. That's literally... She was like, bitch, I'm tired of you being a witch, so you're going to be be a traditional woman. You're going to be the first lady, (laughs) the very first lady there ever was, Martha Washington. The lady that we love and respect, Martha Washington. I had to, I, I, no, when I was doing the research, I had to look up Martha, I was like, wait, who the fuck is that? And I was like, oh, Oh, the first, first 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 lady, lady, Martha Washington. Yeah, I was Not to be mistaken with, um... I thought it was just, like, some bitch. I don't know. Some other... <laughs> some bitch. Some fucking bitch. I, I don't know. Not to disrespect Miss Martha. Miss Martha. Miss Martha Washington. Miss Martha Washington. Miss Martha Washington. 
Um, but anyway, gave her a yellow Martha Washington dress, and Stevie was like, I'm dying this shit black. Oh my god, so, what a fucking legend for yeah, that. She literally painted it black. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's right. Okay, this is also like a cute little fact. I already told you this, but Stevie's mom said that Silver Springs was her favorite mm. song that Nix had written, so Nix secretly put the publishing and royalty credits in her mom's name. She said, BMI, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mother. (laughs) Mother. (laughs) Explaining that my mother would never take a penny from me, so I figured the only way I could actually give her some money was to give her a song to put away for a rainy day. That is the cutest thing I've ever And that's just, like, so... I love little things like that. Silver Springs is my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Um, So that's just a cute little... Just a cute little fact, yeah. Okay, but the main association with... Or the main connotation with witches that... Stevie Nicks has began with the release of the Fleetwood Mac song Rhiannon. Mm-hmm. Rhiannon. So here's the background of that. Is that how it goes? <laughs> That's like not the tune of the song, I feel like. That's how they say it. Rhiannon. <laughs> <laughs> I like can't like hear the tune of my head. Rhiannon right now. That is more of, yeah, that right. I can hear. Okay, so anyway, (laughs) besides that, um, in the 70s, um, a spiritual movement characterized by occult influences, medieval medicines, and indigenous traditions called the New Age arose. And we still see remnants of this today with, like, tarot cards being big, crystal readings, moon rituals. They're all notoriously feminine rites. So we're still kind of in the New Age. Because witches. Because witches. Because witches are now (laughs) something. Because witches. Because witches. (laughs) But it's true. Witches are something that used to be demonized, Mm -hmm. and it was an insult against women. It was like, bitch. It was like, poor bitch. I mean, mean, even even before that, though, it's like people who maybe were more into like, yeah, counterculture stuff of just like, even like collecting their own herbs and like making their own perfumes and shit were like burned at the fucking stake exactly they like whip because up that a wasn't fucking the stew and then people were like it's <laughs> <laughs> <And> a witch <laughs> a bitch makes one stew and they call her a witch a, a bitch puts a bay leaf in his <laughs> pot of stew and they burn her at the stake <laughs> a bitch makes a cup of tea and they burn her ass <laughs> no but it's true like i feel like because we see like tarot and like crystals and like a lot of this like more cult witchcraft being present in the main yeah pagan like rituals and stuff Mm -hmm. being it more in the mainstream and like adopted by everyday people Mm -hmm. not saying like witches aren't everyday people but you know just like the mainstream culture we see it on tiktok and instagram and stuff now yeah like back then in the 70s like that was during like hippie movement and also yeah. like like it just wasn't something that people like there was a lot of counterculture coming in all at right. once and yeah. people weren't like used to that like that yeah. wasn't exactly. that was against the status quo yeah at the time and yeah. that's and that's when it arose and now look at it look how look far it's it. coming because I mean. of our queens and yeah exactly yeah so um Obviously, yeah, there were other male artists at the time who kind of encapsulated this. So, like, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. But Donovan. Donovan. True. Must be the season of the witch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Stevie Nicks was the top dog. She mm-hmm. is the witchy woman. Witchy she woman is. by the Eagles. Heard yeah, of she it? dated Don Henley. He well, wrote about go. her, I believe. I believe so. I believe so. I believe I know my lore. So, Rhiannon appeared on the band's self-titled album, Fleetwood Mac in 1975, mm-hmm. and Nix wrote the song about a Welsh witch. Say that five times fast. A Welsh. 
Oh, well, Welch's fruit snacks. Those are so good. (laughs) Welch. Fuck, I can't even say what wands do. Okay, yes. She wrote the song about a Welsh witch in the book Triad, a novel of the spiritual by Mm. Mary Leader. Um, But the the character is originally found in the Mabinojan. God. Mabinojan. (laughs) Mabinojan. Guys, I can't pronounce it, but just know. Ni hoi, ni hoi. Ni hoi, I don't know. Me- just know. Wait, didn't I look this up last yeah, time when it was? I'm looking up. Mabinogion. Mabinogion. Okay. The it's, point it, is. What is it? Is it just a pro? It's Welsh prose. It's, it's Welsh prose. Welsh prose. Welsh prose. Welsh witch prose. Yeah. It's a four-branch collection of Welsh prose stories from the 12th to 14th centuries. There you go, period. That is Rhiannon. She is in that. So that's how Stevie Nicks discovered this this witch. <laughs> so she would introduce the song by saying, this is a song about a Welsh witch. And the girls would go crazy. Um, so other themes of this um, Welsh mythology include birds, flight, and love. Mm. And on stage, Nix would cultivate a lot of this. She would incorporate this folklore into her stage performance. So, like, her iconic flowy, witchy costumes mm-hmm. would imitate a bird in flight. And she would wear, like, medieval silk dresses. Um, this iconic, like, moon necklace. It was all very curated to recall... The witch, yeah. Rhiannon. Yes. And many of the lyrics also relate to the feminine power of the witch. I was going to say, she is like a cat in the dark, and then she... Is the darkness. darkness. Isn't there one about a bird, too, though? Yeah, she rules her life like a fine sky lark. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're um, right. And also, just a side note, birds play, like, an important thematic role in Nick's music in general. You got, like, the skylark, you got the white-winged dove, mm-hmm. you got the nightbird, the songbird. So, all kinds of birds are there. Every fucking bird. Every bird you could imagine. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Live performances of Rhiannon are much longer to compensate for what Mick Fleetwood calls an exorcism that would happen on stage. Okay. So, like, during Lindsay Buckingham's guitar solo and Christine McVie's keyboard part, Nick starts swirling and twirling around and doing all these, like, <laughs> weird witchy hand gestures, and then she would start, like, melodically chanting and shouting at the end, and it created this, like, effect that she was like turning into a witch I like she was see ha- that yeah like i want to did you watch mm-hmm. a clip of it it's really cool because i yeah. like what kind of chanting like give me a like, give me a taste she's like Rhiannon, Rhiannon. oh no, so she's just singing that okay, okay. basically she's like conjuring yeah. up the spirit yeah it's of like the welch she, exactly she's conjuring... said welch wish <laughs> the welch the, the welch, welch wish <laughs> the welch's fruit snacks mm. <laughs> um yes so it's like she she literally becomes one. She's embodied. So exactly, the witch. yeah, exactly. Sick. So that's I love really that. where it I love started. when like musicians really just like go in on stage. She like, it's like a ri- it's like a ritualistic like thing. It's like a whole experience. And, they and really it put is. their body into it. Yeah, it's like being taken away by the, the music. Because that's the power of music. No, though. seriously. Like, Especially like when you're like kind of repeating things over and over again, and chanting, like it's building that's up. That's why a lot of in a lot of religions there's a lot of like song, a lot exactly. of chanting going on. Yeah, yeah it's wow. crazy. So that's really where her witchy reputation began. Sick. Um, but she continued to cultivate that vibe by, like, her wardrobe, obviously, and, like, in the themes of her songs, like, Crystal Visions in mm-hmm. the song Dreams, Sisters of the Moon, that song. Oh, I love that song. Her 1981 solo album, Belladonna, is yeah. very, like, medieval and witchy. Um, so, yeah, she's never practiced witchcraft, but, yeah, it's the aesthetic and the subject matter, and it really popularized seeing, connecting witches with, like, power and feminine Mm -hmm. 
independent power. And it inspired a lot of female artists down the line. Slay. Here's a quote from a 1998 interview on why mysticism has always been a part of her work. She said, because having a little bit of the spiritual is ultimately better than having none. A long, long time ago, I decided I was going to have a kind of mystical presence. So I made my clothes, my boots, my hair, and my whole being go with that. But it wasn't something I just made up at that point. It's the way I've always been. I've always believed in good witches, not bad witches, and fairies and angels. Oh my god, she's just like us for real. Yeah, she is. (laughs) She is. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's amazing. And she's also been in, um... Oh, the American Horror American Story, Story Coven. Yeah. She's known as the White Witch. She's like, she like comes in and, she, and then she's like playing the piano. It's like <laughs> so good. I love it. Stevie. Stevie. Woo. So yeah, I'm not. I didn't go into her whole backstory, but I'm just talking about how she. Yeah, her witchiness. Her witchiness. You could say that for another day. All right, now I'm going to talk about a few other um, witchy artists. Okay, let's go. So first of all, we got Kate <clears throat> Bush. She's yes. an English singer-songwriter from the 80s who made very dreamlike, bizarre pop indie songs, which have really rose to prominence now through TikTok, through Stranger Things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, like, her songs, Wuthering Heights. She made Wuthering Heights at the age of 18. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, and that was in her 1978 debut album. And it was the first time a woman had reached number one in the UK with a self-written song. First time, bitch! 78? Yep. Damn. With a self-written song. Okay. It's not crazy. <clears throat> but yeah, still. Still. Um, it's based off of the gothic Emily Bronte novel, mm-hmm. Wuthering Heights. I got through like half of it. it. She said it was because, or no, this was some quote I pulled from, oh yeah, a New Yorker article. Um, it was because Bush's identification with Emily Bronte seemed like a key to her own music. Emily, as Bush once described her, was this young girl in an era when the female role was so inferior and she was coming out with this passionate, heavy stuff. Bush, like Emily Bronte, rendered femininity as passionate and heavy, mm. but also incandescent, allied to the natural world, an irresistible force. <laughs> and that's just witchy in itself. Um, similar to Nix, she never has said that she's a practicing witch. But she just has a very similar vibe, haunting melodies, didn't really care what people thought, um, just couldn't really be pigeonholed as your typical female pop star, you know? Yeah. And she had very witchy moves, very Something, idiosyncratic yeah. lyrics, just kind of wacky and strange. Yeah. Um, off the dial. Off the fucking dial, dude. The second side of her most popular album, Hounds of Love, has a conceptual song cycle called The Ninth Wave about a woman drowning in the aftermath of a shipwreck. And each of the songs are like hallucinations a woman faces as she's slowly dying. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. I'm like, I've never heard of something like that. It's crazy. But also one of them is called Waking the Witch, which is a very spooky. You still need to listen to it. It's really weird and freaky. I should. It's a really weird song. This is what we talked about. We kind of talked about this like when we recorded it first, but like where there's music like this where I like it's not music you're just like it's like Bjork or like some like Nick Cave albums like you're not just gonna like put it on and be like oh like this fucks like some of them fuck you know yeah and like but it's not just something you can just it's put not on like casually casual it's like super conceptual where you have to like sit with it and like yeah like it's not like always a fun listen but it's like really cerebral it's and cerebral like shit. yeah you have to like really like think hard when you're like listening to music like this which exactly. I, is like amazing but also yeah. like it's not something I like spend time doing often Same. you know yeah. have to be in the right headspace for that oh yeah for sure so the song Waking the Witch is basically about um, it's like the woman who's drowning one of her hallucinations as she's like in the water is um, that she's being put on trial in like the 1600s as a witch that's crazy and the whole and so it's really freaky because like the song is like it's it, the song is like has like a bunch of like witchy stuff and it's like about this trial but then you hear in the background like 
like the f- things from reality where like the there's water rescuers oh, yeah rescuers. and rescuers are coming and they're like they're like get out of the water get out of the water like in the background what it's the craziest the song ever heard it's like oh really God. trippy and strange see that's like a whole other like form of art in that way I of know. like type like there's so many different facets to music and like what it can be it's like yeah. crazy i know because i i mean I, re- I read a lot of stuff about music but it's like some people go into like writing songs and like their lyrics they just kind of use it as another instrument of like what sounds good and there's some people that use like lyrics very specifically to like tell mm-hmm. a story or like mean something very important exactly like so it's like so many things you can do with it it's such a creative outlet and it you really see that is. with um like earlier like Wuthering Heights based off it's like she based that song off of famous literature we love that shit here and we love it and then also like um she has a song called Get Out of My House which is supposedly inspired by The Shining the movie The Shining oh my god yeah crazy and then also um the opening line of the song Hounds of Love says it's in the trees it's coming which is a sample of a line from the British horror film Night of the Demon. Oh my gosh, so she's su- she's just she's like us for real spooky. as well. She loves yeah. that spooky shit and she loves books. Yes, and she, like and she incorporates it into her lyrics. So here's some other witchy artists. I'm not going to delve into them as much, but they deserve honorable mentions. Yes. Florence and the Machine. Super she, similar to Stevie Nicks. Very similar, yeah. Um, she also apparently started a coven in middle school. And she would put love spells on guys she liked. Oh, my God, cute. So very flowy, witchy vibe. Very inspired by, like, kind of earthy, like, mythology. She's very earthy, I feel mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she sees her performances like exorcisms, as Nyx does. Bjork, of course. Yes, Slay, our she, Icelandic our queen. Our Icelandic queen. She also played a Slavic witch in the movie The Northman. Oh. So that's fun. And she, in an interview with NME, NME, She said, I was always quite offended by how often Kate Bush was written about like she was insane or a crazy witch or Mm. me being a crazy elf. If we we were guys, we would be taken more seriously. Finally, Gen Zers can imagine a woman's production or a woman's world and it not be seen as something insane or a thing that they would have to be... What the fuck am I saying? Or a thing that they have to ridicule or be scared of. No, it's true. Because I feel like... I mean, same thing, like, when we go back to, like, talking about, like, Jimmy Page and, like, his persona or fucking Jim Morrison and, like, what they're doing. It's, like, that's crazy and weird and fucked up in a different way Mm -hmm. associated with, like, the devil or, like, this other kind of lens. But it's the same thing when you, like, look at it. And it's just, like, women are just, like, because it's, I don't know, because they're women in misogyny. (laughs) It's, like, looked at differently. They're just, like, given more shit for it. But now, as she said, like, people really are embracing that now. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Susie and the Banshees. Yes, the of cramps. course. Dude, the Susie and the Banshees songs today, I was listening to my Halloween playlist this morning, and the yes. song Halloween by Susie and the Banshees, <gasps> that shit slays. I forgot I how good that. that song is. But, I love that. Yeah, super spooky. Yeah, very spooky vibe. Um, Lana Del Rey, I would say, is quite spooky in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Not spooky, but She's just like witchy. witchy. In, yeah. More like in like a dreamy, like cinematic kind of way yeah um but she also put apparently put a hex on donald trump when he was elected president so <laughs> there's that yeah. um mitski of course reminds me a lot of bjork yeah. she also does like um she's said that she's been influenced by kate bush and bjork and she does these like ritualistic japanese dance moves which are That's very super like cool weird and strange and witchy yoko ono came out with yes i'm a witch that song basically she actually is i wonder I don't. I couldn't find anything She's about an that, enigma. but I wouldn't. She is an enigma. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that was basically her like getting back at the haters <laughs> and embracing being taking back a witch. the power. 
Exactly. And that's what that's that's the crux that's what of this. this is all about. That's what this is all about. <laughs> um, Enya, Slay. she has a very like heavenly Celtic sound, but many of her songs actually have themes of the occult and mysticism. Mm. And that's she's just amazing. Also added wise blood on there. Um, again, it's more of a modern look at just like taking yes. that yeah that kind of like more esoteric look but like i said it is more like modern and accepted in the mainstream now where i feel like it's not as oh yeah like it's normalized yeah it's, yeah, it's and it's cool it's super cool yeah so that's all i gotta say yay fun stuff witchy women witchy guys women. yeah am i right all right well yeah i don't have a fuck mary killed but i don't think that's really i don't either i think this works this suffices for what it is i agree with you on that i hope you guys enjoyed and you learned some more about just the crazy weird shit in music yeah and i feel i feel like this is fun because we got like totally different views on like what yeah and we got we touched on a lot of interesting stuff yeah yeah all right well enjoy guys and we'll see you next week for a spooky little halloween special yay and hopefully there won't be any more technical difficulties but yes but we'll see we'll see all right have a fun spooky weekend yes bye Bye.